Last week, I started a sermon uh, called Naaman's Leprosy. Uh, I meant for it to be just a little two-parter, but I'm not going to wrap it up today. You know, the more I start getting into this, and it just kind of gets, you know, like, well, I, I don't, I don't like to teach too much in one setting. Um, you know, if I get in math class and I'm teaching in school, which I got to start back tomorrow, ugh, you know, but if I ever get in there and I start teaching, um, I, I don't want to teach five or six different things. I don't want there to be a bunch of lessons in one. I want to come in here and ask you, do you know how to do this? And and if I find out the answer is no by the end of class, can you do this? And it's that one thing. I mean, it's just I'm going to spend all this time on this one thing. And I could go through 2 Kings chapter 5, the whole thing, and it would be like three different things to teach you. But I don't want three different things. I don't think you'll remember three different things. But if I teach them one at a time, I think you can leave, you know, with one kind of concept. And I'm not saying I'm good at it yet, but I am thanking y'all for bearing with me and allowing me to become a preacher, I guess. (laughs) So um, in Luke chapter 4, verse 27, and I didn't start this with you, Brian. I kind of looked at this this morning. Jesus said himself, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha. There were many lepers in Israel, in their own country. Um, And none of them were cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. You know, he's telling them, look, you know, you, you think it's all about you, but, you know, God wants to save the world. And even if you look back in the Old Testament, there's all kinds of people uh, that weren't Israelites or weren't Jewish that he ended up saving. I mean, he saved Rahab, you know, and uh, through Jonah, all those people on that boat, you know, that he got on that started rocking because, you know, and, and Jonah said, you're going to throw me overboard. They believed, you know, in the God and they were, you know, they were foreigners. And then you have Naaman here. There's all There's all kinds of instances in the Old Testament where foreigners were made clean. So Jesus actually makes reference to Naaman in Luke chapter 4. But just as a quick um, recap, or hopefully hopefully quick, um, start with 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 1. There's a couple of things i got to point out about this. Naaman, the commander of the army of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor. So, you know, he's a... Big, high-up-ranked military officer. Everybody wanted to be like Naaman, but he had leprosy. If you weren't here last week, I go into incredible detail from last week. You can go back and listen to that if you need to. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back a captive young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. So this girl probably maybe had her parents murdered. At the very least, she was stolen from her parents and, you know, so you would think that she would have nothing but hatred for Naaman. Let's see, you know, I hope he dies a slow death. I hope that leprosy eats him alive slowly because of what he did to me, to me and my people. But she doesn't think that. She said to her mister, if it's my master, we're, we're with the prophet who's in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. And what a good message for the church. Instead of condemning the people that do not believe like us or whatever and saying, well, you're going to hell and all this kind of stuff. What if we prayed for them and said, man, I wish they'd find the right church and hear the right message and have their sin cleansed and and begin to follow God. 
You know, not hope that they get deeper and deeper into that sin and get punished for it, but that they'll come to know God. So Naaman went in, told his master, saying, Thus and thus said the girl from the land of Israel, There's a prophet, I can be healed. The king of Syria, Ben-Hadad, said, Go now, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Now I have to make a little bit of a correction here. I was listening to it, and you know, I, I really have to make sure that what I say up here is accurate. And uh, as soon as I heard myself say it was Ahab, and I said this twice, I'm like, wait a minute, I could definitely be wrong about that, and I started studying um, well, the thing about Ahab was he was the king while Elijah was there. You know, you probably remember the prophets of Baal, the 500 fire comes down from heaven. You know, that's where he was the, the when Elijah was around, it was Ahab. And so what ended up happening, though, was Ahab died. And right at about the same time, Elisha was coming on to being a prophet, you know, to, to, to take Elijah's place. And so it's kind of like a lot of transition here in this time. Ahab had a son named Ahaziah. And the interesting thing about Ahaziah is he reigned a very, very short time. In fact, the Bible says he was basically in his palace and he fell through like a lattice structure. And he got hurt really bad. And he here's what this Ahaziah did. He said... Um, Go and send a message to the prophets of Baal and see if I will be okay. Well, Elijah was like, are you serious? You're going to ask Baal if you're going to be okay? And he said, because you did this and you obviously do not know that there's a prophet right here in Israel and that God is here. We have the one true God. You're not going to make it through this. You are going to die. And he does. He doesn't even make it like two years. And he doesn't have a son. And so there's nobody to take his place. So actually Ahab had another, a younger son, the next in line, named Joram or Jehoram. And he ends up taking the throne. So it's actually Jehoram who is the king of Israel. And interestingly enough, the king of Judah is also named Jehoram. That was actually confusing to me for a long time because that was the only period of time where Israel and Judah had... Um, the king with the same name, different kings with the same name. So Joram or Jehoram, however you want to say it, is the king of Israel. Okay, last week I said Ahab. So that's just a little correction in case you're a Bible nerd out there and saying, I can't believe he said that. So he departed and took with him 10 talents of silver. We talked about this. This is like a few million dollars he's taken with him. Talent, you know, is a, a 6,000 days worth of work. 6,000 shekels, a shekel's like four days worth of work, 6,000 of those of gold and 10 changes of clothing. Really nice, expensive clothes. Then he brought the letter to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I've sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. The girl said, Go to the preacher. He went to the king. Okay. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and make alive that this man sends a man to me to heal him of his leprosy? It's like, I can't do this. Therefore, please consider and see how Ben-Hadad is seeking a quarrel with me. He's just looking to pick a fight when I can't heal him. And so 
It was when Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had turned, torn his clothes that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me and he shall know, and I want you to remember this for a little bit later in the message, that Naaman is going to know without a doubt that there's a prophet in Israel and that God is the one true God. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And here's where Elisha really starts dealing with Naaman's sin problem, okay? Naaman thinks it's all about the skin, that there's some guy that needs to just take that little spot off, stop the spread, and he goes, gets to go back and be however he wants to be, the mighty commander of the armies. But for he, God will deal with any kind of physical issue. He will deal with a spiritual issue. Elisha sent a messenger to him saying, go wash in the Jordan seven times. A messenger. No important person has ever refused Naaman. And so automatically he's like, I am at the prophet's house and he's going to send some messenger to me. And then here's what he's going to say. Go wash in the Jordan seven times. Why not one time? If God's so good, why can't he do it on the first try? What's the deal here? He said, and then your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be made clean. But Naaman became furious. Well, one, the man of God didn't come see him. You know, nobody's ever refused him before. And he went away and said, indeed, here's how I thought it would happen. He'll come out to me, because I am the mighty Naaman after all. And stand and call on the name of his Lord. There's no bowing down, no kneeling. We're all standing here, you know, because I'm equal with these guys. And call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. I thought it was all about this. I didn't know it was about my heart and the inside. He said, are not the rivers that we have, the Abana and the Farpar, the rivers of Damascus, are they not better than the waters of Israel? No, they're not. That's not where the power of God is. That's not where the future Son of God will be baptized. He will be baptized in the Jordan River. We have the, the gift of hindsight to see this. He didn't know this. He says, but could I not wash in them and be clean? No. God told you how to do it. The prophet sent his messenger to tell you how to do it. So he turned and went away in a rage, which is proof. God's dealing with his heart. His servant came near and spoke and said, My father, if the prophet told you to do something great, which you're used to doing, would you not have done it? How much more then when he says, Just go wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. He was clean. When he did what God asked him to do, he was restored and he was made clean. And I thought about this. Some of you that read my um, Wednesday morning devotional, how many of you read those things? My, my Wednesday morning, wow. wow. If you go to www.wednesdaymorningdevotional.com, you can, you can read these things. But I really pondered that this week uh, on dipping seven times. Because, you know, I, I could imagine him going in one time and coming up and saying, this is stupid. You know, and then doing it second, third, fourth time and not seeing any difference and just saying, man, I'm ready. I ought to go home. This is ridiculous. 
But on the seventh time being made whole. And I thought about my own Christian life and how I asked God to forgive me at 16. And it did. I had this kind of nice little feeling and I kind of felt forgiven, but I wasn't changed. You know, I'd still say the words around the wrong crowd. I'd still do stuff that I know I shouldn't do. I'd still go places I knew I shouldn't go. I wasn't any different. And so it kind of put me on this little thing where I'd ask again. I'd ask over and over for forgiveness and over... And you know, it was one time by my bed, it must have been the 150th time that I said, God, I am tired of this back and forth. I said, please help change me. And I started hearing on the radio and any kind of preacher, they were talking about how you need to get in the Word and get in the Word. And I made it my goal to read it in a year. And man, it was just so neat at the end of the 15 months that it took me. I don't know how it happened. I don't know when it happened. I was just different. I no longer wanted to go to these places. I no longer wanted to say these words. And if I was in the wrong place and I heard these words, it just set this alarm off in my spirit. And I'm like, Lord, thank you. And my, that word, I believe is here for, if for somebody. Maybe you have been in this a long time and you really don't feel that God is near. It took Naaman seven times. It took me 150 something times. I don't know. It might even been more than that. Just never, ever quit. Stay with God. Keep dipping yourself in this word. Keep praying. Even if you don't think it makes a difference, keep on. Because when that breakthrough comes through, like Naaman, man, you become brand new. Because if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things pass away. And all things become new. And so, this is Naaman's testimony. And every testimony has three parts. Okay? And we know two of his from, from what we've read so far. And here's the first part of your testimony. If you lead a life group, you ought to take a while to go through these three questions with everybody in your life group. It's one of the most powerful things you'll ever do is just to talk about these things. And here's the first part of your testimony. What were you like before you came to know God? Naaman was an arrogant commander of the army full of pride. Okay? So what were you like before you had a real deal relationship with the Lord. What were you like before that happened? Part two, how did you come to know Him? A little girl told him to go to Israel and find Elisha. And he did it all wrong. He went and found the king. And then he, he would tell a story like, I went to see Elisha and the prophet wouldn't even come out to see me. All he had to do was walk 10 feet and he sent a messenger to me. It made me furious. And then he told me I had to dip in some nasty river seven times. And I didn't want to. I got so mad I almost went home. But thank God somebody told me, listen, this is what he said to me, made clean. You want to be made clean or not? So I did it. And I was made clean. That is Naaman's testimony. What's yours? How did you come to know the living God? You need to be able to tell somebody about what you were like before and the day you knew without a shadow of a doubt that you were saved and you were His. That's the two parts. And then the third part is what has your life been like since? 
How have old things passed away and all things become new? How are you different now because of that encounter with the Lord? Those are the three parts. If you're in a life group, do encourage you to go through those. What were you like before? How did you come to know Him? How is life different ever since then? And that's how somebody knows that they know that they're saved because they are different than, than they were before they, before they met God. So with Naaman, we know what he was like before. We know how he came to know the Lord. But we don't know a lot about his life afterwards. Now, fortunately, in these next few verses, he is going to give us some clues about his life afterwards that I think we can learn from about life after cleansing. So this is called Naaman's Leprosy, part two, after he was cleansed. So Naaman's Leprosy, part two, after he was cleansed. So we're going to start in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 15, the very next verse. And he returned to the man of God. Okay, so this, I can't help but remind me, be reminded of a story in Luke chapter 17. You gotta go back and read this if you get a little bit of time. Because there were 10 lepers out on the side of the road. They had to be so many hundred feet back and they saw, they heard that Jesus was walking by and when he walked by, ten lepers said, Jesus, son of David, will you have mercy on us? And probably, you know, the disciples were like, man, let's get out of here, get these guys, you know, ignore them. And they said it louder, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. And he said, you guys, go show yourself to the priest, which is the last place they would have been allowed. But he gave them an order. And all ten of them took off. And how many, when they walked along, they, they were all cleansed of their leprosy. The same thing Naaman got rid, you know, got rid of. And they, so they, they're walking along. One guy realizes it and says, we're clean. And he runs back to Jesus to say, thank you. Naaman goes back to see the prophet to say, thank you. The other nine lepers just took off and said, man, finally I can get on with my life. I can go back to work. Maybe my wife will take me back. Now I can go see my kids. They probably all went to do good things. But they didn't go back to say thank you. And I believe that's a picture of what happens if, if God just heals something without dealing with the heart issue first. You know, he just said, can, can God heal me? Yeah, okay, he heals it. Now what are you going to do with it? You know, so many people just go on to life is normal. Cool, man, I'm healed. Now I can go back and spend Sunday on the lake. You know, I'm not going back to any kind of church to, to, to be thankful or anything. I got what I needed out of God. And so, you know, let's go on with life. So I do love that Naaman goes back to the man of God. Okay, he's it's probably even out of his way. He could have just gone on back home. So he goes to the man of God. He and all his aides came and stood before him. He said, now remember what Elisha uh, said? He said, he'll know that there's a prophet in Israel. He said, indeed, now I know without a shadow of doubt there is no God in all the earth except in Israel. There's one God and he happens to be right here. He says, now therefore, please take a gift from your servant. 
All that I have is yours. You take whatever you want. You take whatever you need. Please take a gift from your servant. But he said, Elisha said, As the Lord lives before whom I stand, I will receive nothing. Now, this is going to be important in two weeks when I finish, um, when I finish this out. Nancy's going to be here, um, next week. But in two weeks when I finish this, this is going to be so important. He says, I will receive nothing. And he urged him to take it, but he refused. So why wouldn't he take any of the money? Well, he's, he knows that Naaman is about to go back home. Okay, and there's going to be other lepers there. There's going to be other, and people are going to want to know how did you get healed of that leprosy? And he's going to tell them the story. They're going to tell his salvation story. But I believe Elisha knows if he takes any of that money, it'll change the story. He said, "I gave him. He took a million dollars. He took a, a two talents of this. He took he took whatever." And somebody may be there and say, oh, well, man, I wish he'd heal me, but I don't have anything to offer him. Okay? Salvation is free. It was free for Naaman. It is free for you and for me. He wants no gifts. It is free. So it's very important that Naaman goes back home and tells him the story with no strings attached I met the one true God in Israel and he cleansed me. And it's free for all. So he urged him to take it. He says, please take a gift, please. But he said, no, I refuse to take a gift. I need you to tell this story that you've got. No additions. So that made me think of a verse in Matthew chapter 10, verse 8. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received. Freely God gave His Son for you to be forgiven and clean. Now what should you do in return? Freely give. No strings attached. Second Kings verse 17. Let's go to the next verse. So Naaman said, then, if not, if you won't take any of my money, take any of my clothes, you won't take any of this, here's what I need. Please let your servant be given two mule loads of earth. Okay, now this is cool. Back in those days, you know, God was basically in the land. You know, if, if he's the God of Israel, then he's the God in that land. And so what Naaman wants to do is he wants to set him up a place of devotion. He says, please give me two big old loads of dirt because I'm going to go home and I'm going to make me a place that I meet with this God on a regular basis because me, I'm never going to serve. Uh, I'll no longer offer either burnt offerings or sacrifice to any other God but to this God because he is Awesome. He's the person that I'm going to devote my life to. So he actually is making him a little place to go and say thank you and to meet with the God who cleansed him. And I can't help but think in Matthew 6, 5 and 6, what should we do? When you pray, 
You shall not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the street that they may be seen by men. Okay, plenty of people want to get up and say some fancy prayers so everybody says, man, what a holy guy that is. I mean, God really must be with him. He said, assuredly, I say to you, that is their reward. If they get the praises of men, that's their reward. They have their reward. Verse 6, but when you pray, verse 6 is the next one up there, but when you pray, Go into your room. Find a place like Naaman did. You know, you don't have to go get some dirt from Israel and bring it home, but you must find a place. Go into your room. When you've shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. This, guys, I believe is the key for Lifeline Community Church's future. Every member must pursue God relentlessly, fall in love with God, and serve Him wholeheartedly. And it all starts with just you and Him. Not looking to come on Sunday and get a good charge, a good message, you know, learn a little bit and then wait another week and come back and do it again. But you and Him With this word, it's what Naaman planned on doing, and it's what we must do as individual parts of this church. Spend time, nobody looking, nobody even knowing, just you and him in the word, in prayer, talking. That's how you get the blessing from the Father. That's how you get rewarded openly. 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 18. We'll kind of wrap this up. Yet in this thing, now here's something that's so interesting about Naaman. He's got this forward-looking thing going on. He says, in this thing, may the Lord pardon your servant. He's, he's like, I just know this is coming up, and I know this is kind of going to go against God. I know I still got this thing that I don't know if I'm going to be able to get out of. He says, when my master, Ben-Hadad, goes to the temple of Rimon. Now, this is actually kind of interesting. Uh, I, if I didn't have some really fancy software, I'd never know anything like this. But that word should actually have been Ramon translated. And Ramon is like the god of thunder. Okay, they serve, which makes sense. You know, Naaman being the big mighty man serving the god of thunder and I'll kill anybody that steps in my path. But... The Israelites, when they translated this, purposefully made it an I, Rimon. I was in their uh, Hebrew language. but And Rimon means pomegranate. And so basically, they're just lowering this God from the God of thunder to a pomegranate. It's like a, it's like a very deliberate way to demean another God. I just thought that was kind of interesting. But either way, Naaman says, I know Ben-Hadad's going to be taken off into this temple and they're going to worship Rimon. And when he leans on my hand and I bow down in the temple of Rimon, when I bow down, may the Lord please pardon your servant in this thing. Okay? So listen. I don't know about you. If maybe where you work, maybe where just things are going to happen in your life. And you you know maybe it may be wrong. And you're kind of like, well, what am I going to do? I know I may slip and fall and I know this may happen. And he's looking too far into the future a little bit. And I love 
what Elisha says. He doesn't say, well, have you never read the first commandment? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. If you do that, you're going straight back to hell and your leprosy will stream right back on you. I mean, that's like the way you would hear it in, all, in way too many churches today. But I love what Elisha does. He says, here's what I want you to remember. I want you to remember the peace that you have today. That's what I want you to think of. I want you to go in peace. The Lord has done a mighty thing, a mighty cleansing in your life right now. And so I want you to remember that. Let's walk moment by moment with our God. What a great reminder. I love the fact that Elisha did not condemn Naaman for this. And, and who knows? that Maybe it became an issue. Maybe God took care of it. Because here's the word for us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. Don't you worry about anything that's going to happen. I could be anxious about my school year starting in a new place at the alternative school. I, you know, if I let my mind, I could go, this may happen, this may happen. You know, I could be anxious about all that stuff. But, you know, I'm going to be anxious for nothing. In everything, by prayer, and supplication, talking to God, letting Him know your needs, walking with Him moment by moment, being thankful. Thanksgiving, or what do we have to be thankful for? Maybe the cross that He forgave us and He cleansed us. And we do have that moment where we know that we know that old things were passed away and all things become new. With thanksgiving, you let your request be known to God. God, I want you to know that I thank you so much for saving me and for changing me. And I know I'm about to go into this job today. I know I'm about to go in this, this place today. And I need your peace, God. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome, guys? We should be anxious for absolutely nothing. And when you start thinking about the future, or when you start thinking this might happen and this might happen, this, how about we just say, Lord, thank you for saving me. I know all things are in your hands. All things must pass through you before it can come to happen, before it can come to be. Lord, will you guard my heart and help me to stay faithful to you regardless? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this word. My prayer is, Lord, that people will go home and, and remember what it was like before they fully knew you, before they knew you as Lord and Savior, before you changed them, Lord. I pray that they'll remember what they were like before. And Lord, they'll remember the day the day that they cried out to you, said, Lord, will you save me? And the day you saved us and made us clean, Lord. May we remember that, Lord. And may we uh, just from that moment on, just walk with you moment by moment, day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, and be anxious for nothing because it's so easy to let the unknown future uh, control us, Lord, and to take our minds off of you, which is exactly what our enemy wants. 
Please, Lord, help us stay focused on you. And may that peace, Lord, may we leave this building today in the peace that passes all understanding because there is no one like you. There's no one like our God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.